0: All right, let's try this again. I just realized that my interface was off. I have this outlet that it's plugged into where I have to not only turn on the interface, but I also have to flip the light switch. So I turned it off thinking I was turning it on and I was actually turning it off. Okay, try again. Um, As I was saying when I was recording previously, uh, before I realized my thing was off is that I've been jumping around I know that I've been jumping around in these chapters a lot and that's just because I'm not trying to read the whole thing um, and I'm just trying to identify the the relevant, the juicy stuff um, but I will say that the final chapter of this book and the epilogue I highlighted almost every single word so, yes. Um, so either skip ahead if you don't care about missing anything, and you just want to hear the like the, the equivalent of the last scenes in Eight Mile where Eminem's character just destroys the other guy, or uh just pace yourself through these. These will be short and sweet. Uh chapter nine, the art of the bailout. Uh Mary Trump, Donald's mother got mugged. Um New York tabloid, subtle as ever, blared in 100-point font the day after Halloween 1991. Uh, She hadn't just been mugged, though. The kid who grabbed her purse in the grocery store parking lot as she loaded shopping bags into her Rolls-Royce had slammed her head against the car with such force that her brain had hemorrhaged, and she had lost some sight and hearing. When she hit the pavement, her pelvis fractured in several places and ribs broke, injuries that were no doubt more dangerous than they might have been if she hadn't had severe osteoporosis. Uh, So, Mary goes to see her grandmother at the hospital. Brings her a fucking milkshake. Uh, Donald shows up, um, says, Mom, you look great. Mary says, She's doing much better. He sat in a chair next to the bed and put a foot up on the edge of the bed frame. Uh, Mary's been visiting me every day, Gam said, smiling at me. He turned to me and said, Must be nice to have so much free time. Uh, Okay. I looked at Gam. She rolled her eyes, and I tried not to laugh. How are you, sweetheart? Gam asked him. Don't ask. He seemed annoyed. Um, let's see. Then he left the room and his, his mother said, somebody's cranky. Uh, Mary laughed and said to be fair, he's having a tough time, I said. In the last 12 months, the Taj Mahal, his favorite Atlantic City casino, had declared bankruptcy just a little over a year after it had opened. His marriage was a disaster, thanks in part to his very public affair with Marla Maples. The banks had put him on an allowance... And the paperback version of his second book, Surviving at the Top, had been published under the title, The Art of Survival. I feel like if you're really trying to pat yourself on the back, even if you are at the top, you shouldn't say. And I'm not talking shit for the sake of talking shit right now. I'm just just like a, a genuine observation. If you really do believe that you're at the top, you shouldn't say that you're surviving at the top because that sounds like you're kind of struggling to survive. Um, unless it was one of those whole, I'll dig myself a hole and be like, oh, look at me, I fucking conquered. Anyways, uh, Donald's perceived success with the Grand Hyatt in 1980 had paved the way for Trump Tower, which had opened to great fanfare in 1983. From his reportedly abysmal treatment of the undocumented workers who built it, To the alleged mob involvement, the project was steeped in controversy. The affronts culminated in the destruction of the beautiful Art Deco limestone reliefs on the facade of the Bonwit Teller building, which he raised to make room for his. Donald had promised those historically significant artifacts to the Metropolitan Museum of Art, realizing that removing them in one piece would cost money and slow down construction. He instead ordered that they be destroyed. When confronted with that breach of trust and taste, he shrugged it off, declaring the sculptures to be without artistic merit, in quotes, as if he knew better than the considered assessment of experts. Over time, that attitude that he knew better would become even more entrenched as his knowledge base has decreased, particularly in areas of government governing. Ouch. Uh, His claims to know everything have increased in direct proportion to his insecurity, which is where we are now. You thought that was bad. Just wait until the end of the book. Uh, In August of that year, Surviving at the Top was published, and within weeks it would become clear that the book's subject matter and timing were bad enough to qualify as parody. So I guess it's fitting that it's called Surviving at the Top. Uh, In June 1990, Donald missed a $43 million payment for Trump's castle. Six months later, my grandfather sent his chauffeur with more than $3 million in cash to purchase chips at the castle. Casino. Uh, In other words, he bought the chips with no intention of gambling with them. His driver simply put them in a briefcase and left the casino. Even that wasn't enough. The next day, my grandfather wired another $150,000 to the castle, presumably for more chips. Although those maneuvers helped temporarily, they resulted in my grandfather's having to pay a $30,000 fine for violating a gaming commission rule prohibiting unauthorized financial sources from lending money to casinos. If he wanted to continue lending Donald money to keep his casinos afloat, which he did, he would also be required to get a gaming license in New Jersey. Um, Yeah, so there's that. Uh, In addition to fronting Donald money to cover his business's operating expenses, the banks reached an agreement with him in May 1990 to put him on a $450,000 a month allowance that is almost $5.5 million a year for having failed miserably. That money was just for personal expenses. The Trump Tower triplex apartment, the private jet, the mortgage on Mar-a-Lago. In order to sell his image, Donald needed to be able to continue living the lifestyle that bolstered it. Remember when he said he just got a small loan of like a million dollars from his dad? Um, this, this stuff must have been more of that stuff that was too long ago for him to remember. Um... Yeah. Okay, fast forward, fast forward, fast forward. Uh, uh, uh. Okay. Okay. So, Mary's in school now. Um her place was busted into. She got her typewriter stolen. Um and so she asked her grandmother if she could get a uh, What is it? A check, just so she could buy a new one. Her grandfather told her to get a job. um, So he goes to see her grandma. She writes him a check. Um, Okay. Her grandmother said, Mary, never reject the gift of money. She wrote me the check, and I was able to buy a typewriter later that week. I soon got an angry call from Irwin. We all remember Irwin Durbin. Um... He said, did you ask your grandmother for money? Not exactly, I said. I told her I got robbed and she helped me out. While going through the canceled checks of all of his personal and business accounts, as well as my grandmother's, as he did at the end of every month, my grandfather had discovered the check my grandmother had written me, and he was furious. Uh, And I think Irwin was like one of their financial advisor account guys, okay? There's a lot of people here. Uh, You need to be careful, Irwin warned me. Your grandfather often speaks of disowning you. Kind of like he disowned his own son. Oh, uh, I got another call from Irwin a few weeks later. My grandfather was angry with me again. This time because he didn't like the signature with which I endorsed my checks. I said, Irwin, you've got to be kidding. Irwin said, I'm not. He hates the fact that it's illegible. Mary said, it's a signature. He paused and softened his tone. Change it, Mary. You've got to play the game. Your grandfather thinks you're being selfish and there may be nothing left by the time you turn 30 but I never understood what he meant by the game. It was my family, not a bureaucracy. Little did she know. Uh, I don't see what I'm doing wrong. I'm getting a master's degree at an Ivy League university. Irwin said, your grandfather does not care. She said, does Donald know about this? Irwin said, yes. I said, he's my trustee. What does he have to say? Irwin said, Donald, and laughed dismissively and said nothing. Donald didn't care. Donald doesn't care about anybody. Um, Okay. I didn't even highlight this one because I didn't want to fucking soak the page. Um, So let me hit this real quick. As the bankruptcies and embarrassments mounted, Donald was confronted for the first time with the limits of his ability to talk or threaten his way out of a problem. Always adept at finding an escape hatch, he seems to have come up with a plan to betray his father and steal vast sums of money from his siblings. He secretly approached two of my grandfather's longest-serving employees, Irwin Durbin, his lawyer, and Jack Mitnick, his accountant, and enlisted them to draft a codicil to my grandfather's will that would put Donald in complete control of Fred's estate, including the empire and all its holdings after he died. Grandfather was in bad shape, Dementia was getting really, really bad, blah, blah, blah. Let's see here. Uh, Marianne, Elizabeth, and Robert, all of Donald's siblings, would effectively be at Donald's financial mercy, dependent on his approval for the smallest transaction. As Gam later told Marianne, when Erwin and Jack went to the house to have Fred sign the codicil, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, I, I would assume it's like the same thing as like a clause. Whatever. Google it. Uh, They presented the document as if it had been Fred's idea all along. My grandfather, who was having one of his more lucid days, sensed that something was not right, although he couldn't say exactly what. He angrily refused to sign. After Erwin and Jack left, Fred conveyed his concerns to his wife. My grandfather immediately called her oldest child to explain what had happened as best as she could. In short, she, she said it simply didn't pass the smell test. Marianne, with her background as a prosecutor, had limited knowledge of trusts and estates. She asked her husband, John Barry, a well-known and respected attorney in New Jersey, to recommend someone who could help, and he asked one of his colleagues to look into the situation. It didn't take long for Donald's scheme to be uncovered. As a result, my grandfather's entire will was re-wit, Jesus, rewritten, replacing one he had written in 1984, and Marianne, Donald, and Robert were all named as executors. In addition, a new standard was put into place. Whatever Fred gave Donald, he would have to give an equal amount to each of the other three children. Eh, It's pretty fair. Uh, Marianne would say, years later, we would have been penniless. Elizabeth would have been begging on a street corner. We would have had to beg Donald if we wanted a cup of coffee. It was sheer luck that they had stopped the scheme, yet the siblings still got together every holiday as though nothing happened. Healthy, healthy family. Uh, Donald's attempt to wrest control of Fred's estate away from him was the logical outcome of Fred's leaving his son to believe that he was the only person who mattered. Like, imagine the guy gives you everything that you got and you want to just fucking sneak the rest of it away from him. Um, Donald had been given more of everything. He had been invested in, elevated to the detriment of Marianne, Elizabeth, and Robert, and even his mother, and at the expense of Freddy, who is... Now, dead, mind you. Uh, In Donald's mind, the success and reputation of the entire family rested on his shoulders. Given that, it makes sense in the end that he would feel he deserved not just more than his fair share. Sorry. Feel he deserved not just more than his fair share, but everything. Um, Fast forward, fast forward. Hold on a sec. I think my dog is eating something. Yes, he was. He was eating out of the garbage can in my bathroom. (laughs) Um, the next day Rona handed me a manila envelope containing about 10 typewritten pages as promised. Okay. So, uh, this right here is, uh, Donald asking his niece to write his book for him. Um, so yeah, uh, Rona handed me a manila envelope containing about 10 typewritten pages as promised. I took it to my desk and began to read. When I finished, I wasn't sure what to think. It was clearly a transcript of a recording Donald had made, which explained its stream-of-consciousness quality, kind of like his speeches. It was an aggrieved compendium of women he had expected to date, but who, having refused him, were suddenly the worst, ugliest, and fattest slobs he had ever met. The biggest takeaways were that Madonna chewed gum in a way Donald found unattractive, and that Katrina Witt... A German Olympic figure skater who had won two gold medals and four world championships had big calves. I stopped asking him for an interview. Um. All right. So where are they here? Were they at Mar-a-Lago? I can't remember where they were. Ah, yes. Uh, She goes to Mar-a-Lago with Donald and Marla Maples. Um. Dinner that evening was just me, Donald, and Marla. Ba 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 ba. Uh, the next day, I spent the morning exploring the property. There were no other guests, so the entire place felt empty and strangely quiet. I talked to the butler to see if he had any interesting stories, got to know some of the other guys who worked there, and then took a quick swim before lunch, which was scheduled for 1 p.m. As formal as Mar-a-Lago was in some ways, it was much more casual than our usual family gathering places so I felt comfortable wearing a bathing suit and a pair of shorts to lunch, which was being served on the patio. This is my favorite part. (laughs) Donald, who was wearing golf clothes, looked up at me as I approached as if he'd never really seen me before. Holy shit, Mary, you're stacked. Can you believe that? Donald, Marla said in a mock horror, slapping him lightly on the arm. Uh, I was 29 and not easily embarrassed, but my face reddened and suddenly felt self-conscious. I pulled my towel around my shoulders. It occurred to me that nobody in my family outside of my parents and brother had ever seen me in a bathing suit. Unfortunately for the book, that was about the only interesting thing that happened during my entire visit to Palm Beach. What a creepy guy. Um, And then she wraps up the chapter by saying, After all the time I spent in his office, I still had no idea what he actually did. Oh yeah. Um let me try to bang out chapter ten here real quick. Uh, we were sitting at the same table, ba 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 blah ba At Mar-a-Lago where I had lunch with Donald and Marla a couple years earlier. Uh, the family started going for Easter. My grandfather turned to my grandmother, pointed to me, smiled, and asked, Who is this nice lady? This is like this is uh like super, super horrible dementia. Um and he kept calling Mary a nice lady. She said he was very sweet to me after he had forgotten who I was. Um, and then the uh, irony here. She says uh, even though he forgot things and names about everyone else, he forgot Mary Ann's name, forgot that it was his daughter. Uh, he never forgot Donald. Um, okay. And then what is this here? Oh, look at this, Fred said. He held up a page that had been torn out of a magazine with an ad for a limo similar to the one he already owned and asked if he could get it. He asked Donald and Robert. Uh, Donald took the page and handed it to Rob, who folded it in half and slid it on the table. Sure, Pop, Rob said. Donald left the room. Whatever had once tied them together, Fred's remaining sons had given up all pretense of caring what their father thought or wanted. Having served his father's purpose, Donald now treated him with contempt as if his mental decline were somehow his own fault. Fred had treated his oldest son and his alcoholism the same way, so Donald's attitude wasn't surprising. It's very true. I don't think that I highlighted jack shit in this chapter. Uh, Yeah, I did. Um, I made the mistake of arriving at the penthouse early and alone. Although Donald and Marla were still married, she was already a distant memory replaced by his new girlfriend, Melania. We all know her. A 28-year-old Slovenian model whom I'd never met. Um, oh, this is this fucking part is great right here. Uh, Rob told me that Melania had barely spoken throughout the entire meal. Maybe her English isn't very good, I said. Rob said no. He scoffed. She knows what she's there for. Clearly, it wasn't for a sparkling conversation. Hey, now. Um... So now they started talking about, where is it here? As soon as I sat down, Donald started telling Melania about the time he'd hired me to write the Art of the Comeback and then launched into his version of my Back from the Brink Redemption story. He thought it was something we had in common, that we had both hit rock bottom and then somehow clawed our way back to the top in his case or just back in mine. Uh, Donald said, you dropped out of college, right? She says, yes, Donald, I did. It was exactly how I wanted to be introduced to somebody I'd never met. I was also surprised he even knew about it. Uh, Donald said it was really bad for a while, and then she started doing drugs. I said, whoa, holding up my hands. And Melania said, really, suddenly interested. I said, no, I've never done drugs in my life. He slid me a look and smiled. He was embellishing the story for effect, and he knew I knew it. She was a total disaster, he said, smiling more broadly. (laughs) Like imagine nowadays like imagine just you whoever you are that's listening to this (laughs) like you're just at a party with a friend and like he's introducing you to her to his girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever for the first time and they're like yeah yeah you know um we we went to school together and then you know he he transferred somewhere else and just started doing blow all the time you're like whoa wait a minute I don't even drink, and then they're like, oh, yeah, you were a fucking wreck, dude, remember? And then they're, like, giving you that wide-eyed, like, follow along, man, this is making me look great. That kind of thing. I would have smacked the shit out of him. <laughs> she could have gotten away with it, too. <laughs> um, Yeah, that was the only thing I highlighted in this chapter. That was super short. Um, let me just flip here, because I... This is kind of my cutoff point, unfortunately. I got I got some stuff to do. Um let's see. Could I could I do that really quick? Ah, fuck it. Chapter eleven. Um okay. Fred Trump died on June twenty fifth, nineteen ninety nine. The following day, his obituary was published in the Times under the banner Fred C. Trump, post war master builder of housing for middle class, dies at ninety three. The obituary writer made a point of contrasting Fred's status as self-made man with his, quote-unquote, flamboyant son Donald. <laughs> the Times also repeated the family line that Donald had built his own business with minimal help from my grandfather, quote-unquote, a small amount of money, a statement that the paper itself would refute 20 years later. And we're really getting into, like, the stuff now, okay? Okay. Uh, Donald was the only one to deviate from the script. So they're talking about the, the funeral now for his father. It was so embarrassing that Marianne later told her son not to allow any of her siblings to speak at her funeral. Um, Rudolph Giuliani, New York city mayor at the time also spoke. Let's see here. Yeah. So, um, Donald somehow ended up making his dad's passing about him in his, uh, eulogy to his father. Are any of us surprised, guys? Come on. Uh, Though it's true that my grandfather disinherited me and my brother, that is, instead of splitting what would have been my father's 20% share of his estate between me and my brother, he divided it evenly among his four other children, which were included in a bequest made separately to all of the grandchildren, an amount that proved to be less than a tenth of 1% of what my aunts and uncles had inherited. Um I'm a. I'm. I, okay. <laughs> I'm going to guess that this is the stuff that they tried to get the book held up from publishing for. Um, because this is like. I mean, she doesn't just talk about what was in the will, she talks about what was in the will. Okay. Um, and I can't remember if that gets revealed in this chapter, but if not, this one. It's definitely in the next one. Um, so Mary and her brother Fritz were like, well, fuck this. This is me ad-libbing. Now I'm not reading the book. They were like, fuck this. We're going to sue them because this is fucked up. Uh, my dad was supposed to get 20% being that he died and were his children. It's just fair that that would then just transfer to next of kin, you know, his children, not next of kin would next of next of kin would be like sibling, right? Right? So, it would just make sense that it would go to his children. Um, and that was not the case. Because Fred hated his son so much. And Donald and Robert hated their brother so much. Um, especially Donald. And this whole thing with the fucked up will where it had to be divided equally and anything that Donald would get, everyone else would have to get the same. Um... So they were going to sue. So now we get back to the book here. Um, Rob leaned forward suddenly serious and said, Listen, if you don't sign this will, if you think of suing us, we will bankrupt Midland Associates, and you will be paying paying taxes on money you don't have for the rest of your lives. Just an incredible uncle, you know. Uh, There was nothing to say after that. Either Fritz and I gave in or we fought. Neither option was a good one. Um, so they consulted with Erwin. Erwin Durbin. Uh, He said, your share of the ground leases under Shorehaven and Beachhaven alone are priceless. If they're not going to do anything for you, you're going to have to sue them. I had no idea what a ground lease was, let alone that I had a share in two of them, but I knew what priceless meant and I trusted Erwin. Based on his recommendation, Fritz and I made a decision. Um, after all those months, William was still in the hospital. William is Fritz's third son. Uh, when he was born, he started having seizures. Um, and so they had to have a watchful eye on him. Um, Fritz and Lisa, his wife were feeling overwhelmed. So I told him I would take care of it and called Rob that afternoon. Uh, is there anything you guys can do? Rob, I asked. Uh, Rob said, sign the will and we'll see. Uh, I said, really? Rob said, your father's dead. I said, I know he's dead, Rob, but we're not. I was so sick of having that conversation. He paused and said, Marianne, Donald, and I are simply following dad's wishes. Your grandfather didn't want you or Fritz, or especially your mother, to get anything. I took a deep breath and said, this is going nowhere. Fritz and I are going to hire an attorney. As if a switch had been flipped, Robert screamed, quote, you do whatever the fuck you need to do and slammed the phone down. So after that, the next day, there was a message from Gam on my answering machine when I got home. Mary, it's your grandmother, she said tersely. She never referred to herself that way. It was always Gam. So I called her back right away. Your uncle Robert tells me you and your brother are suing for 20% of your grandfather's estate. Um, Ba-ba-ba, fast forward. Same phone conversation with her grandmother. Uh, she says, do you know what your father was worth when she- he died, she said. A whole lot of nothing. There was a pause and then a click, and she hung up on me. Uh That's just like... You know... Do I need to say again what an awful family this is? <laughs> it, with exception to Mary and Fritz, it seems. Everyone else just sucks. Um... I think. You know what? That was quick. Let's read chapter 12, everyone. Um, I called my brother, and as soon as I heard his voice, I burst into tears. Chapter 12 is called The Debacle. She could have named every chapter The Debacle, and it still would have made sense. Um, he called Gam to see if he could explain what we were really asking for, but they had basically the same conversation. Her parting shot to him was slightly different, though. When your father died, he didn't have two nickels to rub together. In the world of my family, that was the only thing that mattered. If your only currency is money, that's the only lens through which you determine worth. Somebody who's accomplished in that context, as little as my father was worth nothing. Even if he had happened to be your son. Further, if my father died penniless, his children weren't entitled to anything. Um, My grandfather had every right to change his will as he saw fit. Okay, quick side note. I remember before this book even came out, um, there was a bunch of armchair experts that were like, she's just writing this book for money. She's just writing this book because she's mad at somebody or it's like some sort of revenge book or something. But honestly, in this chapter, and I think the next, she breaks this all down in detail and she says, yeah, we got fucked out of a lot of money. That's not why I wrote the book. I could have written this book fucking years ago. I'm writing it now because my uncle's a fucking horrible president. That's why. Here's why he's horrible. My family sucks. They hated their own son. He hated his own brother. They just suck. And this is just part of the reason that they suck. She's just telling a story, guys. Just because you don't agree with it doesn't mean it's not true. (laughs) Um, uh, My aunts and uncles had every right to follow his instructions to the letter despite the fact that none of them deserved their share of Fred's fortune any more than my father did. she just stating facts. She's stating facts, and that's just how it is. She's saying, yeah, I didn't deserve the money. I didn't earn it, but it was supposed to go to my father. The only reason he didn't get it is because for some reason my dad didn't like that he wanted to be a pilot rather than work for his company, and so he stripped all that away from him and then stripped it all away from us because... Uh, he just didn't like us because we're a product of my father and mother. It's horrible. Um, oh boy, I highlighted quite a bit here. Um, his strategy was to prove, okay, so they got a lawyer. His name is Jack Barnaski. um, on Irwin Durbin's recommendation. Um, his strategy was to prove that my grandfather's 1990 will should be overturned as Fred Trump had not been of sound mind at the time that Will was signed and he had been under the undue influence of his children. I think it was two chapters ago that Donald tried to get him to sign off on something that he thought was fishy. Could be a legit argument. Um, The medical insurance that had been provided to us by Trump management since we were born had been revoked. Everyone in the Trump family was covered by it. My brother depended on this insurance to pay for my nephew's crushing medical expenses, the son that has seizures. When William had first fallen ill, Robert had promised Fritz that they would take care of everything. He should just send the bills to the office. Taking away our insurance, which had been Marianne's idea, didn't benefit them at all. It was merely a way to cause us more pain and make us more desperate. William was out of the hospital by then, but he was still susceptible to seizures, which more than once had put him in a state of cardiac arrest so severe that he would not have survived without CPR. He still required around-the-clock nursing care. The family all knew this, but none of them objected, not even my grandmother, who is as aware as anybody, that her own desperately ill great-grandchild would probably need expensive medical care for the rest of his life. Fritz and I had no choice but to launch another lawsuit to make them reinstate Williams Medical Insurance. The suit required dep- depositions and affidavits from the doctors and nurses responsible for Williams', Williams care. It was time-consuming and stressful and culminated in an appearance in front of a judge. Lorino defended the cancellation of the insurance. The, uh, Lorino was the uh, snake that the Trumps hired to combat them in court. Um, cancellation of the insurance by first claiming that we had no right to expect the insurance in perpetuity. It was rather a gift that had been bestowed upon us out of the goodness of my grandfather's heart. Typical conservative mindset that health care should be earned, not just given, because you exist and health is important for the the whole surviving thing. (laughs) Um, He also downplayed Williams' condition. In resisting that the round-clock nurses who attended to William and had saved his life more than once were overpriced babysitters. If Fritz and Lisa were worried that their infant son might have another seizure, he said, they should just learn CPR, which a quote coming from another person recommending how you should take care of your very ill child would be justification enough in my eyes to have a very incredible courtroom outburst and scuffle. Uh, Marianne angrily referred to me and my brother as absentee grandchildren. Um, I thought of all the times she had called the house when I was visiting my grandmother. Now I understood why she had never told my grandmother to say hi. Because Marianne sucks too. Uh, When he was deposed, Donald didn't know or couldn't remember anything. Kind of familiar to how he rolls the dice now a kind of strategic forgetfulness he has employed many times to evade blame or scrutiny. Did you guys know that the country is in such bad shape now because of Joe Biden? I didn't know that. I did not know that. That's a joke, by the way. Sarcasm. Uh, All three of them claimed in their sworn depositions that my grandfather had been, quote-unquote, sharp as a tack until just before he died, because walking out into the living room and asking your wife 20 times what's for dinner uh, seems as sharp as a tack to me and I didn't read that part but a few chapters ago when she was talking about her grandfather's dementia he would come down and ask like a dozen plus times what was for dinner uh, and had to teach his wife patience through that Uh, during that time my aunt Elizabeth ran into a family friend who later relayed the exchange to my brother Can you believe what Fritz and Mary are doing, she asked him. All they care about is the money. And then Mary says here, again, admitting. She says, of course Wills are about money. But in a family that has only one currency, Wills are also about love. Um, I thought Liz might have understood that she had no power. Her opinion about the situation wouldn't have mattered to anybody but me and my brother, but it still hurt that she was towing the party line. Ba ba ba. Uh, After almost two years with legal bills piling up and having made no progress on any kind of settlement, we had to decide whether to take our family to court. William's condition remained serious, and a trial would have taken the kind of energy and focus my brother didn't have, and reluctantly, we decided to settle. Marianne, Donald, and Robert refused to settle unless we agreed to let them buy our shares of the assets we had inherited from our father, is 20% of the mini empire and the priceless ground leases. Quote, unquote, priceless ground leases. Lay down, buddy. Just lay down, buddy. Okay. I was doing so good with the with the dog not making any noise here. Oh, if I could afford a studio. <laughs> uh, Fritz and I decided to attend Gam's funeral, but knowing we were unwelcome, Grandma died. Um... <laughs> Fritz and I decided to attend Gam's funeral, but knowing we were unwelcome, we stood in one of the overflow rooms at the back of the Marble Collegiate Church. Along with a couple of Donald's security guards, we watched the service on a closed circuit monitor. Because, you know, keeping the family together. Uh, the eulogies were remarkable only for what was not said. There was a lot of speculation about my grandparents' reunion in heaven. But my father, their oldest son, who had been dead for almost 27 years, was not mentioned at all. He didn't even appear in my grandmother's obituary. I received a copy of Gam's will a few weeks after she had died. It was a carbon copy of my grandfather's with one exception. My brother and I had been removed from the exception. Sorry, Jesus. Removed from the section outlining the bequests for her grandchildren. My father and his entire line had now effectively been erased. Um, there are two more chapters and an epilogue in this book. Uh, and these are my favorite and I'm going to make you wait until the next upload to hear them. Um, and I'm going to have an ungodly amount of side notes during this epilogue. Let me tell you, I wrote something on my phone (laughs) and I was like, I was going to post it on Facebook. And I was like, uh, this is probably not a good idea. <laughs> so I'll just read it on here. Um, but yeah, boy, oh, gee, did that get spicy quick. Um, yeah, so chapter 13, 14 and the epilogue are going to be next. I hope you enjoyed this portion of the book. Thank you for following along so far. I promise everyone. I know that when I started this podcast, I said that I wasn't going to talk about political stuff a lot. But then with COVID and all this crazy shit that's going on, it's kind of hard not to acknowledge what's going on. Um, I'm just a person that does a podcast. I live in the country. So I, I kind of feel like... I should be talking about what's going on, at least through my eyes, um, being a young person, being the quote unquote future. Um, I, I think it's kind of important that we all try to share how we're feeling, um, no matter how old we are. But, um, yeah, this is just, I mean, it's, it's what's going on right now. So it would be kind of, um, ignorant and just kind of immature of me to ignore things, um, that are, I mean, it's, it's impacting everyone on a daily basis, or at least the majority of people on a daily basis, so to, to just ignore it would be kind of, uh, stupid of me to do, um, so hopefully fucking things will normalize soon, and, uh, I can talk about other stuff, and I'll, I'll try to do better, but I think this book was the bulk of it, but, um, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, Uh, chapter 13, 14, and epilogue will be next. Uh, Again, I appreciate everyone that's been listening to this consistently. Um, I can see who listens to it. Not like specifically who listens to it, but the number of people that listen to it. Uh, And the numbers have been pretty much the same for all the readings here. So I, again, appreciate it. uh, And I will talk to you very soon.